Come in. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hello there and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe. We are recording on Tuesday, August the 22nd, 9.10 a.m. Central Time. You guys took it easy on me this week. I think I've got five or six questions in the hopper, which we will get to uh, in due time. Like to kick off the podcast, just going over some headlines uh, and that uh, related to Hawkeye athletics, uh, just to get people kind of caught up on maybe what they've missed in the last week. Uh, no real update on um, Cade, Mad- Cade McNamara. Uh, the Big Ten Network folks were out on Friday, uh, and Kirk Ferentz said he expected. Uh, or was hoping Cade would be back on the field this coming week, which we are now in, uh, have not seen or heard anything about him being back at practice yet. Uh, I may have missed that though. Uh, I've been kind of, kind of busy with some things getting back to, uh, getting back into the groove a little bit here, but we will have, um, availability with Kirk Ferentz tomorrow morning. Uh, Wednesday, August the 23rd, after practice around 10 a.m., 10, 15 a.m., something like that, uh, on the 23rd, and we should get a full update there. I don't know how much he's willing to share, but um, I think they're going to be as protective as – and and rightfully so. To be protective with Cade McNamara. He is, um, he is the key to this season. That's not a knock on – any other quarterbacks in the room, but there's a reason why uh, Iowa invested in Cade McNamara, brought him in uh, to be the starter and, you know, named him the starter before he ever took a snap on campus. He basically knew he was the starter when Iowa targeted him out of the transfer portal. He committed here quickly. Um, So um, bubble wrap, uh, whatever you need to do to keep him healthy. And I think, you never want to take a team lightly or overlook a team, and I'm not saying that's what Iowa would do if it held him out against Utah State, but Utah State is not a good football team, uh, and I think Iowa can win that game with defense and special teams and just managing on offense, kind of what you, 
kind of what you saw last year uh, a lot of times. It's coffee sip. Ah, not enough coffee yet this morning. Um, but yeah, take it. There's no need to rush him back. Um, I, I think you're going to need him week two at Iowa State. Iowa State should be halfway decent on defense. And it's Iowa State at Iowa State. So that, as you guys know, brings a whole different dynamic to the to the table uh, than Utah State or Western Michigan in week three. But you can take it easy, I think, with him early in the season. You could say, oh, well, he's missing reps with his receivers, but he's misrepped with his receivers uh, in the spring, too, when he wasn't able to go full. So uh, I think you just kind of take it as it goes. And even if he comes back now, you kind of – you have to be careful with that and how you practice them and things like that. You just need him ready for game day. And he's, he's seasoned enough. He's got enough reps overall in his career uh, in college and uh, he'll be ready to go whenever they put him out there. So uh, that is the latest with that. We've had some more um, um, preseason recognition for the football team uh, last week. Um who was it? Uh, Nick Jackson uh, was showed up on the Lombardi watch list, which was kind of weird because that's for linemen. Uh, but he is on there along with the Butkus watch list. Cooper DeGene was added uh, to the Bednarik watch list. He's also on the Nagurski, Jim Thorpe, and Paul, Paul Horning award watch lists. Uh, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Athletic, the AP and I think maybe Sporting News. Um, I think it was those three. Cooper DeGene and Tory Taylor have been named first team preseason All Americans on, on all three of those out, out, outlets, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, could be off on that, but um, I believe that's the case. So uh, nice preseason recognition for those folks. Actually, I've got this in front of me. Um, Let's see. Cooper DeGene preseason All-American for the AP, the Athletic, the Sporting News, or no, uh, second team for Sporting News. First team for uh, Associated Press, the Athletic, uh, Phil Steele, and Athlons. Um, Tory Taylor, first team for the AP, CBS, Sporting News, Phil Steele, the Athletic, uh, Athlons. All have him first team All American. So Tory Tory Taylor, the most recognized Hawkeye on preseason All American teams. Go figure. Punting is winning, right? Uh, what else do we have on the rundown this morning? I should probably write these things down and do a better job of job of that. Uh, it was announced last week that uh, the schedule for the Iowa men's basketball team in the inaugural. Uh, Raddy, I think it's pr- pronounced. It could be Rady Children's Invitational out in San Diego, uh, November. I will play Oklahoma on November 23rd. And depending on the outcome of that game, um, the other contest is Seton Hall and USC. Uh, and then I think, I believe the winners and the losers play the following day on November 24th. And those games are televised. I think that's a Fox event. Um, this women's soccer team are off to a 2-0 start, uh, 1-0 at Florida Gulf, Gulf Coast on Thursday. 
came back with a 2-0, 2-0 victory against Kansas City at home in the home opener on Sunday. That game, I think, was scheduled for 1 o'clock in the afternoon. But if you've been in the Iowa City area in the last several days, you realize that being outside in the middle of the day is not healthy for anyone. So they moved that game, I think, to 7, 7.30 on Sunday night. And uh, Iowa was able to pull off the 2-0 win to start the season at 2-0. Ellie Otto, Josie Durr with the goals in that one. And uh, uh, Mika Ingles with the goal in the victory against Florida Gulf Coast. Macy Ekening, Enneking, I'm sorry, uh, has not been scored upon this season as the Iowa goalkeeper. So uh, what else do we have here? Anything else? I thought it was interesting here in the men's golf season will get going, but they they added a transfer from Drake, uh, Kale Leonard, uh, who prepped at Ottumwa High School and won a Class 4A state championship at Ottumwa in the 21-22 school year. Uh, he, he competed with Drake last year, but he has transferred to Iowa. Uh, he qualified for the U.S. Amateur this summer, so uh, nice get for the Iowa golf team. Not sure. Am I missing anything else? Um, possibly am, but uh, I think we've hit what we need to hit, at least from the headline standpoints. Things will start to get ratcheted up here. Uh, we had volleyball media day and field hockey media day last week. So those competitions will all get rolling here before, before we know it. Um, let's jump into some questions here. Uh, let's go back to where I left off last week, which I think with, was there. Uh, Jacob Mint at Mint Jacob 36439 on Twitter. And this is from August 15th, which was the last time I recorded, but this one did not get in before uh, I completed the podcast and signed off for the week. So it's a good reminder now, the PSA that. Uh, Hashtag HF mail, hashtag HF mail. Anytime during the week, you can fire a question or comment off to me uh, using that hashtag. And I will go back and find it, see where I left off the previous podcast and pick up there, which I have done here with Jacob's question. Any idea how this theoretical situation would work? Let's say the NCAA doesn't make a ruling on players like Noah Shannon until after game three and Shannon is given a three game suspension at that time. Would he miss an additional three or get credit for time served? So I think what you're asking here, Jacob is if he sits out the first three games and then gets a three game suspension, it would be time served. uh, If Iowa self imposes that. Um, And that could be the case. Certainly. I'm going to coffee sip here again. Sorry. That certainly could be the case because Iowa could doesn't want to play an, a player that's ineligible or it could get punished because it runs the risk of potentially having to forfeit those games. So it would probably be of Iowa's best interest, although it sucks for Noah to sit him until it gets a ruling from the NCAA. But that's a that's just a tough decision to make because if he doesn't get an NCAA suspension, which he's going to, he bet, he gambled. Um, He didn't gamble on Iowa sports. 
Um, but he, he wagered on sports he can't wager on as a student athlete in the NCAA. So he's going to get some type of suspension. So I, that's probably the best approach is to wait and see. Um, but it'd be really nice. What do we have? Uh, we're less than two weeks out from the kickoff. So hopefully within the next week or so, they can uh, they can determine whether or not uh, he can play in the first week. Uh, most likely not. As I said, he's going to face some type of suspension uh, depending on uh, the threshold he, he went to in terms of how many bets he made, how much he wagered. They're all um, guidelines on that, that the NCAA released in the uh, late spring, early summer of, you know, you did this, here's the corresponding suspension. So he'll have that coming up and uh, he has an idea. And I think Iowa probably has an idea of how much he'll be suspended or how long he'll be suspended um, based on what, uh, what his actions were. Uh, so maybe they can just kind of guesstimate, um, not even that, just have an idea of, okay, this is what the suspension should be and hold them out for the, that amount of games. I think people got mixed up here as to why he wasn't practicing this month and just got to back to practice last week. And he is still practicing as far as I know. Um, he had off-season sh- uh, shoulder surgery, so he was going to be limited anyway and still recovering from that. So that's why he's been out. He would have practiced this whole month had he been able to. He just has been hurt. So um, he missed the spring as well. So he's going to be behind from a physical standpoint anyway. So I think it would correspond with maybe having him miss the first game at least. Uh, as he gets back into shape and is ready because Iowa can use him. And it's a six year senior who's been productive already at this level. There's no doubt they're a better team with Noah Shannon, but it's a position where they may be the deepest on this team is defensive tackle, his position. So there is an opportunity there for them to rest him uh, in that week one game against again, a not very formidable Utah state team and get get him another week of practice that week, and then maybe get him going to Iowa State. Uh, or if the ruling is out by then, or you know that it's going to be at least two games, you give him this. It's almost like this is an extended training camp for Noah Shannon, and it works out. I mean, if there is a positive out of the whole situation, uh, that may be it, that they have some time with him. So, um it's obviously uh this is from 44m less at 44m less on twitter a i won't even say frequent i will say weekly contributor to the mailbag podcast and we appreciate those contributions uh it's obvious that obvious that we are tight and you but are we getting close to becoming a place kicker you as fans i think we sometimes take for granted our place kickers and what they've done recently with that said how good do you think drew stevens can be at iowa i think part of the like the when they say tight end you or wide receiver you i think there's a it, it it's judged by how those players translate into the nfl which is why Iowa's tight end you because Iowa's tight ends 
stand out in the NFL, not only in college. And I think that's kind of where the relationship is there uh, in terms of the, you know, saying tight end you or running back you or quarterback you or whatever it may be. I think it's safe to say Ohio State is wide receiver you right now. And there are debates on on that as well, but um, could be USC. Um, but to the meat of your question, to the point of your question, Iowa has had a very fortunate run of kickers dating back. I can't remember when they've had a a kicker who struggled. I know I'm probably missing someone, and there have been you know some who've performed better better than others. Um, but I think is Nate Kading the last Iowa kicker to have any length of success in the NFL? I think he is. You're talking about 20 years ago now when he came out of college. So we're almost 20 years. So not sure why there isn't the, um, it doesn't translate into the NFL. The one thing is, I, I forget who I interviewed. It may have been, I think it may have been Michael Sleep Dalton um, about him trying to make it in the NFL as a punter. And I forget it sometimes, but uh, it, it's pretty obvious. There are only they only keep one punter and one kicker. Most teams, that's all. The, they have a fifty-three man roster. They can only afford to keep one punter and one kicker in the NFL. That's really hard because it's not like teams lose their punter and kicker to injury and have to have a backup. Most times, these guys make it through the entire season, and in addition to that they can kick and punt well into their 30s. So once they get established, they get locked into a job, and that's one less opening for somebody that's coming out of college. So it makes it really hard to make it in the NFL as a specialist, whether it be a long snapper, punter, kicker. There just aren't a lot of jobs available. So, you know, what's their maybe two, three a year? Uh, where you have maybe a guy who becomes less effective in the NFL and doesn't stick, or you know, there's somebody who turns forty and retires. Uh, but it's really hard to make it, and I think that probably played into Tory Taylor's decision to come back for another year at Iowa. He's going to get another chance to play a full season of college. And he doesn't know what it. I mean, we can sit here and say it's Tory Taylor. He should make it in the NFL. And I think I like his chances, but he really needs to fit, fall into the right situation where he has an opportunity and then perform well enough to win a job in the NFL. Really hard to do. It's just super hard to do. So that's why I wasn't completely shocked when Tory decided to come back. I'm not sure he needs to prove anything else in college, uh, but another year wouldn't hurt in terms of showing the NFL, okay, here's four years of consistent play you know, if you have an opening, uh, I'm your guy. So, but in terms of your question about Drew Stevens, uh, I think he has a chance to be right there with, you know, the top kickers that have come through here. Um, and we forget about, you know, guys as recently as Miguel Racinos, Keith Duncan obviously stands out. Um, you know, you go back, Marshall Kane, uh, Daniel Murray, uh, down the list of guys that have been consistent 
Uh, Kyle Schlicker, I think, was after Nate Kading. But Iowa has done well uh, in securing that position. And can Stevens be better than Kading? There's a chance. I mean, he's got a big leg. Uh, He was popping from 50 at Kids Day. Uh, Pretty accurate from deep, very accurate from close. So he's got a chance. It'll be interesting to see. Um, the Iowa kickers, unfortunately, have gotten a lot of opportunities recently because the offense has not been good. You may have heard, uh, but as stall and stalls, you know, even when they get into opponent territory and lean heavily on the kicker, and then Iowa plays plays close games, you know, one possession games often, uh, and those field goals are ultra important. Um, so he'll get his opportunities. I think what Iowa is hoping is that he gets fewer opportunities this year. Uh, you certainly don't want to get into the mid to upper 20s as uh, Keith Duncan did and Caleb Shudak. Those guys were in like the mid-20s with uh, with opportunities. It's great if you're scoring, you know, 45 points a game and those field goals are just additional points. But it's when those are your only points that there's an issue. So. I think Drew has a chance to be as good as there's been here, but it's a long way from here to there. Um, there's pressure situations. There's, you know, how are you going to handle a game-winning kick? Uh, those are all part of the puzzle that uh, creates your legacy. So, you know, you think about guys that have made game-winning kicks from, you know, Daniel Murray to Marshall Kane to Keith Duncan. Those guys all – were really consistent and good kickers, but part of their part of their legend is the you know those game winning kicks that they made in big spots, and we haven't seen that yet with Drew, uh, but we'll need to for him to be part of um, the all time great discussion at Iowa. Let's see here. Should we take a break yet? Let's. Let's do that. Let's get a read in here and uh, take a break. Uh, Support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at SUI.org. That is SUI.org. Thank you to Systems Unlimited for the great work. Um, they're doing with folks in East Central Iowa and for their support of the podcast. We're going to hear from a few more sponsors, and I will be back on the other side. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483, 400-4483. Hi, this is A.J. Perez, Managing Partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. 
Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. Hey, Hawkeye fans, I've got a tip for you. No, it's not gambling advice. You wouldn't want that from me. You have to check out Randy Ingalls' awesome artwork at underthekitchen.square.site. You can find pieces on some of your favorite Hawkeye athletes, past and present. Tim Dwight, Spencer Lee, Keegan, and Chris Murray, they're all available, and they're all reasonably priced and come with certificates of authenticity. Check out this site. It's underthekitchen.square.site. You're going to find some awesome artwork there of your favorite Iowa athletes and personalities. He's adding to that as we go along here. Uh, great pieces for your Hawkeye room in your house. So check it out. It's underthekitchen.square.site, and that's Randy Ingalls. Great artwork. Check that out, Hawkeye fans. Let's jump back in here. Uh, JK Hawkeye at JK Hawkeye 71. Uh, this is from the 18th, August the 18th. Rob, I have a hard time believing Iowa is the only state that has this issue with athletes and gambling. I'd love to know how this whole thing surfaced. Any insight to that end? I've heard some speculation and rumor and how this got going. Um, I'll wait and not continue to spread rumors and innuendo speculation. Uh, obviously, there it was tipped off. And I think while Iowa isn't the only state where this is an issue, some of the charges here are, are pretty intense. I mean, you got guys betting on their own teams. And think about that. I mean, that's, you know, if you're a Iowa native and, you know, are a fan of Field of Dreams in that movie, the Black Sox scandal was those guys were betting on their own team and they got banned from the game. So that, that's what's happening here. And I'm not sure that that is computing for people that guy, you know, the guys at Iowa and Iowa State are betting on their own, own teams. Jarrell Brock, the running back at Iowa State, he voluntarily left the team yesterday because he wasn't going to play again. He bet on his own team. Um, you can fight it, but if there's evidence that you did, I mean, that's what this was, you know, the the digging started here. And I know we heard initially that there was no evidence that these guys bet on their own teams with this many guys that, that did that, that was probably the, the, you know, Rick Heller and Kirk Ferentz and the other um, Iowa coaches who, who said that, who said they there's to their knowledge, there's, it's not an issue that, any of these student athletes bet on their own team. That's probably what they were being told by somebody in administration or whatever. I very, I doubt they got that from DCI or uh, the gaming commission. Those folks aren't talking. They're investigating and getting to the bottom of this. And again, 
it's I I think not that it not that your question's not legit, JK, and you know it's great to know and we all have curiosity as to why an investigation started <laughs> but i think we're seeing why is would be my answer there's there are quite a few violations here that are very very uh egregious and they can't be ignored not only for the NCAA and breaking NCAA rules but breaking the law you know betting on your own team is illegal so that's, you know, these some of these kids are going to go to court and have to, you know, face fines and potential jail time. I mean, it's this is not light. And I get it. People are mad that Iowa, the state of Iowa, is the one where this is being investigated, where their athletes are being exposed for wrongdoing. It's got to be happening elsewhere. Probably true, likely true. Doesn't matter you know what i mean it's it feels like there's a faction of the iowa and iowa state fan base that are mad at the people that are investigating this and that or why the why these guys are being investigated not the case and i'm not saying that's you jk you may just want to know why it hasn't and my guess is this won't be the last one of these um i'm not talking about iowa i'm just talking nationally there are going to be other states and other universities that are investigated. But I don't think this was like a national thing. This was, these were, and the Gaming Commission and the DCI in Iowa weren't thinking, oh, we probably shouldn't investigate this because it's happening in Alabama and um, Alabama's not doing anything about it. No, that's, they're going to investigate wrongdoing if they see it. And I don't know who tipped them off how they got to it, um, but they got to it and they found a lot. And that to me is really the story, not why there was an investigation or um, why it's only Iowa, but I get it. I understand. It would be nice to know how they got tipped off or how, why this, you know, this investigation began in the first place. But to me, again, it just, it really doesn't matter um, because of the findings uh, if they did that and it was just slap on the wrist here and there, then I'm wondering, well, is this just, you know, is this just a a uh, witch hunt, so to speak? But it's not. I mean, it, it's not good. So uh, if I do happen to find out concretely how they were tipped off or, or why, you can probably find people that are speculating and rumor on it, you know, trying to, you know, invest in rumors on this, but um, my guess is that those, that speculation and those rumors aren't coming from the people that actually are investigating this. It's from other people and people are pissed and I get it. You don't like to see this stuff happen, but you can't get gamble uh, as a college athlete. And you certainly cannot gamble on your own team anywhere, ever, ever, never. That's a no, no. So uh, that's where we are on that. Um, appreciate that question. And we move on. Got a couple more here, but I have a shorter podcast, hopefully. Uh, Rich Actorhoff, uh, Rick Actorhoff, uh, Actorhoff 2 on Twitter. Hi, Rob. Just curious if you noticed any obvious strengths from Deacon Hill at the scrimmage. I've heard about arm strength, but would just appreciate to hear if he exhibits pocket presence and touch 
Haven't seen those in some years. He's an interesting quarterback. I would say he's more in the mold of a Nate Stanley and Spencer Petrus and that, you know, James Vandenberg, Jake Rudock, guys that were more pocket, bigger, physical. He's bigger, more big. He's big, more bigger. He's bigger than those guys, though. I mean, he is just a massive human. Um, that is, uh, I think his athleticism is probably uh, understated. He's not a guy that just, you know, a sitting duck back there in the pocket. He has some decent footwork. He can move. Uh, he moves well in the pocket, has a good feel for where the pressure is coming from. As you said, his arm strength is the number one um, strength, I think, of his. And his ability to throw the ball from different angles on the move across his, the, you know, and that can get you in trouble too if you rely too much on that. But he has pretty good fundamentals and footwork. Uh, the accuracy is a work in progress. And with guys like that, you probably aren't going to get him to a super high completion percentage. But if you can get him in that 60 range, uh, 60% range with that arm strength, then you're winning. Uh, he seems to have a pretty good uh, feel for getting through his progressions, I noticed. And if anybody wants to watch uh, what he looked like on Kids Day, uh, I've got a bunch of videos out there. There's a f- the full-length videos on Hawk Fanatic. Uh, and then if you go to my Twitter feed at Rob Howe HN and go back to Kids Day weekend, I've got a tweet with uh, the full-length uh, cut-up you know, play after play after play, all the 11 on 11 plays from kids day. And then it's broken down by quarterback in four separate videos of Cade McNamara, Deacon Hill, um, Marco Linnez and Tommy Paholsky. Joey Labus did not practice in that. So, um, but uh, to go back to your question, Rick, it's, it's a, I would say most similar to your big-bodied Iowa quarterbacks of of days gone by, uh, but also with a little more wiggle. I think he's a guy, too, that you could probably run some some power stuff with as a quarterback. I think he could handle, you know, running the ball. Now, you don't want to do that when you're, you know, your starting quarterback would be sidelined, and that's how he would see Deacon in the game is if Cade McNamara couldn't play. Um, and you don't want to get your backup hurt. Um, I'm not sure uh, if Joey Labus is back at practice yet, but he certainly want to, wouldn't want to risk him there. But he's a guy who could pick up some yards with his legs too. He's, uh, And I think people forget he hasn't played college football. I mean, he's been in college football, but he hasn't had any significant snaps in a game, and he's still young. I think he's only a third-year player, maybe second-year player. I think he's a third-year player. So – Still, he and Labus are kind of in that same, uh, in that same, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That that's the same category of inexperience. Experience being at college and understanding how that works, but inexperience and in actually playing in a game. And Labus is obviously more experienced. He started and won a bowl game, so. Who knows what he'll look like when he comes back. Those guys were pretty even through the spring, Deacon Hill and Joey Labus, but Labus has been out for most of camp. So 
we'll have to see how that shakes out. But I have confidence that Deacon Hill can certainly win uh, win the game for Iowa or start and be the winning quarterback against Utah State and just not mess shit up. Just let the defense and special teams do it, their thing, and then manage the offense. But certainly that's really strong arm. Uh, effortless, effortlessly can chuck the ball down the field uh, to receivers. Uh, it's it's almost like he's more accurate throwing the deep ball, too, than he is on the short and intermediate routes. I think that's where he struggles more with his accuracy than than on the deep ball. So I actually – I'd love to see Cade play in the opener, but I also wouldn't mind getting a look at Deacon Hill in the opener, too, to see what Iowa has in its backup quarterback, who could end up being the starter next year if Cade ends up play, being one and done here. He has two years, but he could be one and done here and – uh Deacon could be that guy. It could be Joey Labus. It could be Lanaise. It could be, you know, um, James Reeser uh, next year. Less likely, but possible. Um, so we'll see. Uh, let's see here. 44 MLS is back. This is from 24, uh, 12 hours ago. I know the defensive line is stacked, but based on Brian Allen's performance at Kids Day, I would think he would be getting some snaps this fall, don't you? Also, what past Hawkeye does he remind you of when you watch him play? Thanks. Um, I'll think on the – excuse me, I'll think on the comp. I'm not great with comps, but I'll do the best I can on that. I think for Brian, I think he – well, first of all, and I know I'm – partially responsible for this because I tweeted <laughs> tweeted out his highlights from Kids Day. He was going against like second, third team offensive tackles and and I was thin at at offensive tackles. So I think that benefited him. Now I'm not taking anything away. I mean you can see the natural gifts there uh and the development uh in pass rush moves, uh strength, uh steps he's taken forward since last summer to this summer and he's on the right trajectory he's developing great i think at that end spot all things being equal health holding up it's evans and deontay craig those are your two main ones and then after that i think it's ethan herkett and max llewellyn and then brian allen i think is in that next group after that i think your top four no doubt Craig Evans, Herkett, uh, and Llewellyn. That's not to say that Brian Allen can't get into that group or push in that group. Um, but I also could see the potential for somebody on the inside kicking outside at times. And I'm thinking about, you know, a Logan Lee, possibly. He, he's, a, he's definitely better at defensive tackle, but, you know, in certain rotations, I could see him on the outside. I could see that with Aaron Graves um, because there's such a a, a, a wealth of, of talent and depth on that tackle spot. I'm wondering if they try to get some reps for those guys that are a little bit more flexible on the outside. Brian Allen reminds me a little bit of Broderick Bins. I think that's uh, not the biggest guy on the edge, but kind of athletic. Um, and Broderick was able to to play um, on both ends, uh, was better off the left, I believe, if I remember correctly. Brian was working off the right the other day. But that's the one that popped into my mind. Uh, but uh, you think about other rush ends, and 
I, I, I want more time was what I'm saying, Les. I want more, I want more time to, to develop that comp for Brian Allen. I'll say Broderick Bins now, but I want to leave uh, myself some wiggle room to maybe change that when I get a look at him a little bit more. Um, I think that's it. Let me make sure I didn't miss anything here. Um, I know. Let's see if there's anything from underneath. Um, don't see anything. This isn't great. Uh, but I had one in here that I don't see now. Somebody who didn't use the hashtag. It's very important to use the hashtag. Did I mention that? Um, all right. I don't see it. It was some Braves fan making fun of the Mets. And I really have no comeback for that because the Mets are bad and the Braves are really good. So um, I think it was somebody who asked me if I was enjoying the Mets season as much as he was as an Atlanta Braves fan. Um and uh, probably not. I'm saying I'm going to guess you're enjoying it more than me, but uh, we'll see if the Braves can complete the task of winning it all. Um, it's a long road, and there are a lot of good teams out there. So don't make fun of other teams. Uh, karma's a bitch. All right. I think that's it. I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. A really big thanks to those that sent in questions this week. You guys were a little off your game, didn't have a lot this week, but that's okay. Gearing up for next week. When we come on on Tuesday, it will be game week, believe it or not. So it's coming. Hang in there uh, and stay cool if you're in the uh, Midwest where the heat is hitting because it's not not nice at all. Uh, thanks ton to our sponsors as well. Appreciate their support of the podcast. And you can get a fresh Hawk-centric uh, podcast every day of the business week, Monday through Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Pat Hardy, KCJJ guys, me on Tuesdays with the mailbag, Thursdays, Scott Document and I on the Hotspot podcast uh, coming up after games. We'll have the Rapid Reaction podcast on Saturdays with Jovan Johnson and Jordan Canzeri. And then we have a Hawkeye history podcast that has been dropping on Sundays. So once the season starts, you can get a fresh Hawkeye podcast every single day of the week on the Hawk Fanatic feed. So please subscribe, hit the like buttons where you can, all that stuff. It's much appreciated. Um, thanks again, everybody out there listening, sending in questions and supporting the podcast. We'll talk to you on Thursday on the hotspot. Until then, peace.